I'm Arie Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover various topics important to the league. Using X's and O's, we give honest and critical analysis. This week, we got something special besides my co-host, Rachel, Crystal Thomas. She was drafted 36th overall by Seattle in 2011, then set the, the franchise record for Phoenix for offensive rebounds in a season in 2012, which to me, uh, I was speaking to Rachel about this, is a ginormous accomplishment because offensive rebounds are so underrated. The nitty gritty always gets underrated. You know, some would say that Crystal's breakout season was last year starting 30 out of 34 games for the Mystics and being a dominating presence on the offensive boards. Rachel, say hi to the folks and Crystal, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. You guys, I'm so happy to be here with my good friend and buddy, KT. KT, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you guys so much for having me. Looking forward to the show today. We wanted to, in the beginning of this show, dive in about this this Mystics team. They started off red hot, and I think a lot of times people were, were just shocked at how powerful they started off and how physical of a team. Um, to give fans a little bit of a recap, in one of the more physical playoff games I've seen last year, Washington was able to defeat Last year's most physical team, and, and we can debate this if you guys want, Dallas last year, in my opinion, was the most physical team, um, and moved on to lose in the semifinals to Minnesota. And then you guys come out, and you just start off red hot, 4-0. and I mean, I don't think, I mean, obviously you have to have that in mind going into the season, but, you know, you're sitting there before the Minnesota game, and you've beat Indiana twice and Las Vegas once and you're undefeated, what was kind of your mindset going into that Minnesota game? You know, I think for us, it wasn't even about continuing to be undefeated. It was about beating a team who we hadn't beaten last season. Yes, we lost to them in the semifinals, but I think we dropped all of our regular season games and our preseason game against Minnesota. So to us, it was just about beating Minnesota. Um, And we kind of got off to a rocky start even in that game. We got down in a hole and then all of a sudden, our bench came in, brought some energy, and it was a wrap after that. Um, just We started hitting a lot of threes. We were playing aggressive. We got Minnesota kind of rattled at that point, and then um, we were able to pull off the victory. So it was a great, a great start for us. You know, I'm curious. A, a lot of the story, or I, I don't know if people know about this, is how amazing your bench has played. You know, <laughs> you guys have a lot of stars and maybe some people during the draft were kind of like, all right, why did they go Atkins? But anybody who questioned it, and I was probably a victim of that also, is looking stupid right now. Did you, <laughs> was there a point in training camp or, you know, in the preseason where you're like, wow, these youngins can ball? Yeah, I mean, our rookies came in from the very beginning and you saw how much talent they had. And it wasn't just about their talent. It was how hard they were willing to work every single day, you know. Ariel literally runs the floor every single possession like she's running a 40-yard dash. You know, she sprints up and down the court every single time. Um, Maisha, her nickname is like the ox just because she's so strong and she's so aggressive and she's got such quick feet and really can cause havoc for opponents as a post player um, having a defender. And so they came in from the get-go not just with a lot of talent, but a lot of hard work and a lot of effort. And they really fit in seamlessly. Um, You were out there and you forgot that they were rookies sometimes because you told them something once and they caught on to it. Um, You know, they didn't, we didn't have to stop training camp a lot and, 
and try to teach them things. They got things right away. So we just knew from the very beginning that we we had a very talented roster. Well, that that first game, I remember seeing Maisha play, and I had to do a double take, and I at first thought maybe they gave her the wrong jersey because <laughs> I was just like, "There's no way that she's a rookie." Mm-hmm. Like yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was mind boggling, and and then and. Something that always joys me, like lights me inside, is seeing the starters when they're on the bench watching the bench players go and the excitement and the joy. And that's kind of how I value the camaraderie or not value, but kind of grade the level of of, of teamwork there. And I saw you guys like, I mean, just jumping up and down. I don't know. You guys got your squats in that day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, for as long as I played this game, you need a team. Yes, starting is great, but you need everybody. You need everyone. Every person that comes in the game has to be able to come in the game and make an impact. And that's one of the strengths of our team is that our bench, also known as the bench mob, is incredibly talented, incredibly tough, and they give us a really big boost You know, to be able to sub people in off the bench and not even miss a beat when it comes to them coming in the game. Um, and so with the season set up the way that it is with the schedule as fast and furious as it is to be able to be able to play eight nine ten players a game really will be advantageous for us down the line well speaking of that i mean perfect segue you had a ton of games in a short period of time you had the minnesota game on sunday then you move on to playing seattle on tuesday Mm -hmm. wednesday you play the mercury so that's three solid teams right there and then you have like what a couple of days off, and then you have another game against the Aces. Yes. How do you? How do you? I mean, I, we're going to get into this more when we start asking more specific questions. But as a player, how do you mentally prep before you go into a stretch of of, of a week where you're going to have all these games and no rest, basically? I know for me personally, you know, I started preparing for that week long before the week ever came, um, and the days leading up to the trip. You know, I tried to get as much sleep as I can, make sure I was eating, doing all the recovery stuff that I was able to do prior to that week ever coming because it was going to be fast and furious. Um, but the best part about it is, yes, it's a, it's a lot of travel. It's tiring, but we get to play basketball. That's what we get to do. So there's that passion, that excitement to go out there on the court every single day and play no matter what the circumstances are, no matter where we are because we get to play a game that we love and that's such a special and unique opportunity. Um, so yeah, it's just using that passion and excitement to kind of forget that you're tired, forget where you're going and know, Hey, I get to go out here. I get to play and I get to compete. Something that I'm curious on, and maybe this is a weird question. Um, when you go to an away game now, obviously you have, you know, your trainers that come with you and whatnot, um, or, or the whole staff that comes with you. But in comparison between a home game and a away game, what is the recovery for an athlete of yourself? You know, like, is, is when you're a away game, is there less, you know, I don't want to say spa treatment, but like, do you not have the cryo machine and, and the specific things that you might have at home? Or, or how does that come into effect of your recovery and preparation? Um, the cryo machine might be one thing that we don't always have access to on the road like we do at home, but... Our staff and trainers do a great job of making sure we get whatever it is that we need, you know, lining up massages on the road. Um, I think when we were in Indy, you know, they had 
uh, ballroom set up where we were able to get massages after the game, bringing the Norma Tex and the recovery boots that you can put them on before, after the games while you're um, recovering, making sure you get food and nutrition shakes and just everything that you need. Um, so our staff does a great job of providing recovery stuff for us after games, even on the road. Rachel, I know you had some some interesting thoughts as far as the the style of play. Um, real quick background: coming into last season, Washington had three of the top five, I believe it was, three point shooters in the league. Uh, you don't have me this season, but you still got Edd and Christie. And Rachel has some interesting stats on, on on your three point shooting early this season. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting and it's good for. You know, listeners and fans to take notice that you know that this Mystics team is obviously extremely talented. You you guys have shown what you're capable of doing, and um, there's there's no doubt that you know at least in my opinion, um, I probably speak for a lot of people that that you're a contender, and it's just a matter of getting kind of the pieces in place and and getting healthy and um, kind of working through that kind of the beginning season jitters, if you will. Um, but I think some people it's important to note that you know, outside of just dealing with some rookies and some injuries and some things of that nature, you're also kind of working with a new style of play. Um, and, and Crystal, I know you and I were kind of speaking about it a little bit about just um, kind of some high volume three-point shots uh, and attempts. And and so that, that really intrigued me. And so I went back um, just to kind of compare last year to this year as just kind of attempts, makes, percentages, mm-hmm. eight games in. And so last year, uh, 2017, you know, eight games into the season, uh, you guys were 50 of 158. So that's right at about 31%. So that's okay. 158 attempts. Now I'm not even going to sit here and act like I know how to do the breakdown of how many, how many per <laughs> game that is because <laughs> yeah. I'm not smart enough for that. But so then versus this year, okay, eight games in, you guys are 67 for 182 attempts. So that's close to 25 more attempts in the same mm-hmm. amount of games. And you're shooting it 6% higher than you were last year. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big difference just in, you know, a team that was shooting it kind of a lot last year, but now mm-hmm. it, it, there's such a greater emphasis on it. Kind of like talk to me about that a little bit, like, you know, the, 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 the scheme behind it. And then, you know, when you're shooting it really well versus games like the last two where, where you've kind of struggled. Yes. Well, coach T has said uh, from the very beginning of this season that he wants to shoot and make a lot of threes. So that's been the emphasis since day one with this team. And it really fits our personnel when you have, main players like Christy Tolliver, three-point shooter, literally in history, what she does is break people's backs with three-point shooting. Um, Elena Deladon and her ability to play inside out and being a great three-point shooter um, with the addition of people like Monique Curry, who's been a historical scorer throughout her career. Um, Rookies like Ariel Atkins coming in, really being able to knock down the three for us. Um, It's definitely been an equalizer, but it's also something where it's great when we're putting the ball in the hole past couple uh before our previous two games you know we were shooting around 60 percent from the three-point line but in our past two losses against the aces and then connecticut yesterday you know we didn't shoot that well we were down in the teens so it's something that we're gonna have to consistently push ourselves to put the ball in the hole from the three-point line um and really make teams come out on the perimeter and guard our quicker players and then drive and kick and create space for our players to uh, do a lot of things. So, you know, it's early in the season. We're still trying to work out the kinks, but as we do, 
um, three-point shooting will be something that's effective for us. So KT, what does that mean for kind of you in terms of, you know, being a more of a low block post player, getting touches down on the block? Does that limit some of the touches that you get? It's definitely an adjustment phase for me. Um, you know, I'm one of the few traditional post players that are left out here in the league. Um, but there's a, still a great opportunity for a lot of threes going up. There's still an opportunity to offensive rebound, which is one of the things that I'm best at. Um, so it's kind of adjusting my positioning and my location on offensive rebounds to go and get the misses. Um, if you shoot 18%, there's a lot of misses that are going up and that's Absolutely. opportunities for me to do what I do best and find my niche and find my gaps and be able to contribute to the team. Um, but as the season continues to play out and we figure out a rhythm and where people are shooting the ball and how they're going to shoot the ball, um, my niche and my positioning will come. Awesome. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask you something that, you know, has definitely been an element of your guys' success has been the offensive rebounds. Um, you know, the games, I, I was live for a lot of your games last season, and the team really strived on that. Now, that puts a lot of weight on your shoulders considering, you know, I'm, I'm going to include Meese in this, um, having Meese and EDD out there with you, that kind of leaves you on an island as the lone big to get those rebounds. Do you, I, I, what's your kind of mindset on that? Do you enjoy that challenge or how do you, how do you take that? I enjoy the challenge. Um, I really do because I think that offensive rebounding and rebounding in general is just a stat that can get overlooked at times. Um, and it's an opportunity to score and it's not just an opportunity to score, but you know, when you play a great defensive possession and I'm talking about if an opponent's guarding us and they play a great different defensive possession and we miss a shot, you know, they're expecting, okay, we're getting the rebound and going the other direction. And then when you come in, when I come in and get an offensive rebound and kick it out for a three point shot or score a bucket, it can be backbreaking. It's almost like having um, an extra point or an extra bit of energy off the offensive rebound. So I don't look at it as pressure. I just look at it as a challenge. Like I said, um, you know, with more threes, the rebounds are going to bounce a little bit longer in a little bit different areas. So I look at the challenge of watching film, watching my teammates shoot, watching their tendencies and making sure that I'm in the right position to to go and get the ball. And then if I'm being an aggressive and multiple people have to box me out, it leaves the opportunity for someone else to run in there and uh, get an easy putback. So we're, we're going to hop over to more, I think it's a great segue to the more positional talk. Um, mm -hmm. something looking at your career, you had an opportunity to be on Phoenix, I believe with Brittany Griner. Uh, you were in Seattle with Stewie. Now you're mm -hmm. in, in Washington with EDD. Um, and you know, now you go up against Sill Biggs, like Sill and Liz. Um, and, and the reason I bring up Stewie is because somebody that I've often been astounded in her ability to cover larger players. Especially like against Griner, and 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 I take it as she's doing a lot of smart moves. She's doing a lot of research for you personally. When you know you're prepping to go up against you know the top bigs in the league, the top posts, mm -hmm. how do you prep for that? What what goes into that? For me, it's about watching a lot of film. Um, you know, these players are great for a reason. Sylvia was the MVP last season for a reason. She's a great player. She's an outstanding player. Um, you're not going to shut down these players. 
So I, when I prepare for these games, I want to just make every basket that an opposing post player get as difficult as possible. You know, I don't want to give them their go-to move. I want them to have to score off of a counter. I want them to have to score a little bit further out than they're normally used to scoring. I just want to make sure that every shot, every attempt that they get is as difficult as possible. And if I do that, then I do my job. But it's the ones, you know, for example, Sylvia, where she catches the ball literally two feet inside the restricted area, goes up, gets an easy layup, and you end up fouling her because you're out of position. Those are back-breaking plays. Um, so it's just about um, making the opponent work for every for every catch and every touch that they can get. Out of out of these these bigs that we've listed, actually, I you know what I don't even want to even restrict it to those. Who do you think the best scoring big in the league is? Oh, that's tough because there's a lot of bigs that are playing really really well right now. I mean, I think what Stewie's the second or third leading scorer in the league right now. Liz Cambay just started great in her return to the WNBA. Sylvia's obviously um, a dominant force inside. Just played Brittany, uh, and she's a handful. Her turnaround jumper really is tough to guard. Um, so I think it's hard to point at just one player because all of them score in different ways. But I think there's a lot of really great bigs in this league who are showing um, their abilities out there on the floor. Have you uh, – I mean, I guess, you know, I see someone on your team like Hawkins who has added that – I don't want to say added that three-point shot, but I'm just thinking of this I, – I think it was – the the Vegas game where she knocked like three three like yeah <laughs> I, I, uh-huh. and she was just dancing down the court I was obsessed with the with those ones because I'm like yes that should be the excitement um you know for you have you tried have you thought about adding the three ball to your game um I'm working on expanding my game not necessarily to the three point line yet oh she can do it I've seen it yeah. I've seen it myself <laughs> I could I could you know I can do it but I'm trying to you know, just work on the things that I'm really good at. And then over time, we'll, we'll see about venturing out to the three point line. So you're trying to be modest, but Rachel's not going to let you. So watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she, she is more than capable, but, but you know, the, the, the coolest thing about, you know, KT, and I think it's just extremely important to kind of know, like, like for someone like her and KT, you feel free to intervene whenever you want, you know, understanding your role and kind of where mm-hmm. you fit in the midst of what exactly that team was trying to do. And you out of, out of probably anyone I could necessarily think of when we're talking about someone who embraces a role and is trying to understand and, and buy into that role better than anyone. I mean, you, you fit that mold perfectly. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess I, my, my question kind of expanding on that is kind of throughout your career, um, you know, you, you're a veteran in the league, you've been a lot of different places. How have you seen your role kind of evolve, um, you know, kind of from your earlier years um, and then even into, you know, um, Indy for a hot second and then now now we're, now where you're at with the Mystics? I mean, how, how has your role um, kind of just changed and evolved? Uh, well, first, thank you so much for the compliment. Um, I appreciate that. You know, I, I mentioned earlier about how you have to have a team. Um, and so I've been in, I've been a bit of a journey woman throughout my career. So I've, I've seen it all and I've played with really some of the best players in the league throughout my career playing on various teams. So I've learned a lot. And so what I've tried to do in my position in my role is to what the coaches say for me to do, that's what I want to do. Um, you know, like here in Washington last season, my, 
my job was to kind of be the rough and tumbler alongside Elena and Emma. Um, and if that's what Coach T asked me to do, then that's what I was going to do. And if that's what my team needed for me to do to win, then that's what I was going to do. Um, and, it, and it proved to be effective because, like I said, or I remember Coach T, you know, he said something about shot attempts at the beginning of the year. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, when I've got all these teammates next to me who I know we're going to shoot the ball, how am I going to find a way to be effective? And that's get on the offensive glass. Um, so, like I said, I take pride in what it is that my coaches and my teammates want me to do. Because to win a championship, to be a great team, and for us with the Mystics to get to where we want to go, we need everybody. And everybody has to do their role to the fullest extent. Um, you know, I've been in positions where my role wasn't really to be on the floor. It was to be the best um, practice player and push my teammates to the best of my abilities. Like my rookie year in Seattle, um, I mean, Seattle was coming off of the WBA championship the year before. And we had Lauren Jackson, Sue Bird, Swin Cash, um, so many just veteran players. So my job wasn't necessary to be on the floor, but my job was to be the best practice player that I could be going up against Lauren Jackson every day in practice. If I didn't bring it, she wasn't going to be ready for the game. So I took pride in just being the best practice player that I could be because that's what my team needed for me to do at that point in time. So I've come all the way from being a practice player to being a starter in this league um, and just continuing to accept my role and do it to the best of my abilities every single day. That, that, that actually brings up a couple questions. One I'll ask about in your time, you're bringing up some just incredible names here, which is just fascinating. I feel like I could, and I have just said, it could pick your brain for hours. <laughs> um, but, but just kind of in your time, how have you seen the league in terms of post-play, um, low block, even, even necessarily, you know, out to the stretch four, how have you seen the, the changes? How have you seen the game evolve from your time of being in the league? It, it has evolved really so much um, just from the low block kind of being a utility piece to now being in a dominating um, part of the game. When you have your power post players, you have your face up finesse players that really can get the ball off the boards and bring the ball full court and push it and start an offense um, and everything in between. So I feel like in the NBA, they talk so much about, you know, no post players, no post players. In the WNBA, it's all about the post players. It's all about um, dominating post players that can do literally everything from playing inside out, knock down the three, bring the ball at the floor, start an offense, and really provide matchup nightmares for other teams throughout games. I'm curious, if, as, as a post, um, and this is something that in, in our, you know, our company Slack and, and just between different WNBA minds has been discussed a lot recently, what do you think it takes for a guard to win MVP? I think that it takes um, a guard being a complete player, meaning be able to score at all three levels, really set teammates up and find them. And again, a stat that's often overlooked is rebounding. You know, what's so tough, and we played an example of one last night at Courtney Williams, is when you can have a guard that's willing to get down in there with the bigs, rebound the basketball, push the ball at the floor, score at all three levels, um, and then look to set teammates up. You know, I think it's checking off basically all the boxes for a guard. Um, and when, when guards are able to do that, I mean, they change the dynamic of the game completely. Yeah, I, it's it's so funny because 
guards often in many ways kind of get the the spotlight and a lot of admiration from the fans, but they're not in, in, in the paint doing the dirty work, you know, throwing bows, breaking noses, um, and, and the little mm-hmm. stuff. Somebody that always comes to my mind when I think about this in the league is, um, is Rebecca Brunson because everyone hears about her a lot because she has the amount of rings that she has, but nobody talks about her in the aspect of the nitty gritty and getting in the paint and doing whatever it takes. I mean, you're not going to have, you're going to have some domination from Sylv. You're not going to have that same domination without Brunson. And, and you see that very often um, that the big players that kind of are the glue for the team don't get the name recognition. I'm curious for you, um, how is, is there a player in the history of the league? I want to kind of stick to W on this. Uh, cause I know people sometimes like to compare games to, to other, other like NBA, whatever. Um, I'm curious for you, who do you kind of emulate your game after? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, like I said, I played around and against so many great players over the league. I feel like I've taken little bits from every person that I've been around and kind of just learned to be a professional based upon all the players that I've played against. It's hard for me to say if there's just one player that I've emulated my game around. I think it's just taking all the players that I've played with and against um, and taking little bits of whether it's their competitiveness, how they break down a game tape, um, you know, their way of just being a professional basketball every single day and preparing for games and practices. I've taken little bits of that into my game over the course of my career. That's interesting. So, so when I saw you have a nice dish out to uh, Natasha Cloud the other day, that was you emulating Sue Bird, I believe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to be a passer like Sue. Still got a long way to go um, <laughs> in that regard. Um, so something that I feel like, you know, in, in the NBA, in, in a lot of major league sports, there's that one personality that's kind of known as the smack talker. If you, if, uh, you know, uh, not gun to your head, but if, if you had, you had to choose who is the, I, I guess the best or the worst smack talker, however you're looking at it, uh, that you've faced. Um, definitely have to give a shout out to my current teammate, Monique Curry, in that she's, she's very, very good at talking smack to other people and kind of getting in other players' heads. I remember her playing against her and now playing with her. I'm glad that she's on my team and can be doing it in support of the Mystics towards our opponents. Um, does she is, uh, I'm not going to ask you to get too detailed about her smack talk. Is she one that like will go in there and just start smack talking you? Or is she going to be like, oh, you did something to my player. Now I'm going to get in your head. Yeah, no, it's like in support of us as teammates, just getting in the opponent's head. Um, she's pretty funny with it too, so it definitely provides uh, some humor when you're listen listening to her do it. KT, I've got a I've got a question for you. You you've really um, kind of switching gears here. Uh, maybe should have asked this earlier in the conversation, but you have really you know un- undergone a lot of changes, especially these last couple of years. Um, you were, you were a coach, which maybe not a ton of people know you were coaching division one basketball and playing in the league. Um, and then actually, you know, you decided to kind of head over to Turkey this past season, which is not something you had done in recent years. Um, I'm curious how your season went this past year, um, and, and kind of being over there, 
um, as a newlywed with your husband? How was that experience and, and making that decision to go back overseas? How, how, how did that go for you? Um, yes, I have uh, put on several different hats over the past couple years. I um, was coaching for a little bit, um, playing, playing overseas. I got married in the midst of all of it. Um, but it's all been great. It's all really has just been a learning experience for me and has made me grow um, as a woman and now as a wife. So it's been a great experience playing overseas. Um, I was so fortunate. My husband was able to go over there and be with me for the duration of the season. So that was awesome just to be able to play professional basketball in a different country and have him be a part of that experience. Um, I was so fortunate for that opportunity. We got to travel. We were able to go to Greece and Italy along with Turkey. So we were able to see the world together. Um, And it's just one of those experiences that are once in a lifetime. I mean, it truly is. And when you look at the other side of basketball, apart from the competition on the court, to be able to have a game, you know, literally an orange ball on a hoop, take you to all these beautiful places throughout the world is really something that I don't ever take for granted. And I'm so thankful and blessed to have the opportunity to do. Um, the season went well overseas. Uh, we made it to the quarterfinals of both Euro Cup and the Turkish League playoffs. Um, Tur- the Turkish League is really a great domestic league. And then playing Euro Cup as well was um, a great experience for me individually and for our team playing out in Mersin, Turkey. Um, so the season went really well over there. Um, it was definitely a different adjustment because I had it played a full calendar year of basketball in recent years. Um, but I loved it nonetheless and really got to experience some new things. And like I said, grow as a woman, grow as a wife. And I'm just thankful and appreciative for every step that I get to take with this basketball journey. Something I've always been really, really curious about as far as overseas play. Um, and I'll, I'll use the, I guess the Maya Moore example, you know, she hasn't played overseas for, for a few years. And then this year she played a second half overseas coming basically right into the W season. Um, how much of playing overseas leading up to the W season gives you that advantage? Cause you know, training camp is so short, you know, does it help you get your sea legs or is it such a different game that it doesn't really help you that much? Uh, no, it's actually very beneficial. And you know, even though it's overseas, basketball is still basketball. There's a lot of great talent. Um, overseas. And so it does give you an opportunity to give you your, get your sea legs. It's kind of get you in a game rhythm. It's great when you're training, doing individual work and doing conditioning. That's great. But there's really nothing like playing basketball to get you ready to play basketball. And so playing overseas against great competition really gives you an opportunity to work on your craft, work on some things that you've been doing in individual work and putting it, putting it into a game-like situation. And then uh, just get you ready in that basketball competition mindset heading into training camp in the WNBA season. And and how much, you know, interaction do you have when you're overseas with, I mean, obviously you have your husband there, so you're not as, you know, alone as, as, as some of the other players are. But how much interaction do you have? Because I know a lot of players play in the Turkish League. Um, are, are you, you know, getting drinks with them, getting dinners? What's your interaction with them? Oh, yeah. It's, it's funny because... You could be walking in a room, so obviously I was in Turkey, so I heard Turkish all the time. But the second you hear English, you like sprint to that person, even if they're all the way on the other side, and you're like, oh my goodness, you speak English, hey, (laughs) how are you, what's going on? And so in Turkey specifically, there are so many American players and so many WNBA players over there. So it's pretty much any team that you're playing against, 
the Americans get together, find some American food or a good restaurant, get together, eat, and just kind of enjoy being around fellow Americans for a little bit. A little off topic, what's your favorite dish that you had while you were in Turkey? My favorite dish overseas was tantunis. So it was essentially like a um, a thin tortilla type wrap filled with chicken and some veggies and some spices. Um, so that was my favorite Turkish dish while I was over there. <laughs> did you bring one? Did you bring one back for me, Crystal? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was like 24 hours of travel <laughs> trying to get from my city to the state. So I don't think it All quite right, made it. That's fine. Maybe. <laughs> well, awesome. Crystal, thank you so much for chatting with us. And, and I, I do have a couple more questions in terms of just back to the season and going back into kind of um, how are you a how do you evaluate kind of where you're at? That that kind of leads in just from one, the difference of playing overseas to then coming right in right into the league and, and really late in training camp. And do you feel like that helped pre- prepare you? One and then two, um, how do you feel? You, kind of your play has been. How, how would you ga- grade yourself here these first kind of eight games? You know, I'm very much a perfectionist and am pretty hard on myself. So I want to see myself play better. Um, you know, just in adjusting to a new style and a new system. Um, there's a learning curve that goes with it. But if there's one thing I know about myself is that I'll get it figured out. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it figured out and do whatever it is that my team needs for us to get back on the winning track and uh, um, to be where we want to be at the end of the season. So um, there been some highlights, some lowlights for me personally, but there's a lot of stuff, a lot of film that I can now take and look at. And um be ready for our upcoming games. What would be, I guess, the 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 number one thing that you want your partner down low to have as skill set wise? NBA NBA Live 2018, you're doing career mode, you're you're creating a player. Obviously there's already you, so you don't need to create yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's see. The number one thing that I would want them to have is a motor. Um because I'm going to be like the gritty, tough one, someone playing alongside of me. Like I want them to kind of be able to get out and be on the perimeter and like do things across the court. KT, just kind of one final question from my end of things. Headed into this week, I mean, I know you, you had a tough one last week with all of the games and kind of kind of losing two. Um, important for you to get home and, and get some rest and hopefully be able to recover a little bit. <laughs> What is kind of uh, the, the pulse and the focus um, of the team going to be kind of going into this week? And I, I know you play the Lynx at home on Thursday, and then you don't play again until that following Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So what will this week kind of be about for you guys? Yeah, for us, it's going to be we have three days before the game. So it's going to be a three step process. Um, the first is starting with today, really just a rejuvenation type day. Um, getting off of our feet, getting some rest, both physically, mentally, getting back on East Coast time and just rejuvenation and refreshing our minds. And then we've got two days of practice going in. So we'll really kind of hone into ourselves and working on our identity, which has been stated as the three-point shot, you know, really hone in and working on us and the things that we need to work on. And then uh, Wednesday, we'll get ready for Minnesota and cover things that we need to make sure that we do well against them. And then Thursday we go out and play. So it's really just going to be about um, recovery, rejuvenation, getting ourselves back in the right mindset and focus and taking two days on the court, which we haven't had 
um, in a very long time and getting back to doing what we do. Yeah, and 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 staying hydrated in the in the crazy DC summer. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it's ridiculous. We really want to thank you for for joining us on the show, Crystal. Uh, I know you got a busy day and a, a busy season to look forward to. Best luck going forward. This has been the WNBA Insider Show. I'm Arya Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and we've been covering important topics using X's and O's and getting real takes from real players. Tune in next week, and we got some more exciting stuff.